Why oh, don't we the Batman reference, I'll explain it. It's very simple. They have oh. both a hero complex. Oh, that's... But isn't that every hero? Like, no. No, 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 not necessarily. It's like they it have... A hero, like hero syndrome, the actual psychological condition? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. There are some... Okay. So, for example, if you take an an, uh, an example, because I've just finished it right now, Metro, for example, the protagonist, Artyom, the guy, mm -hmm. is not basically a hero. He doesn't want to save jack shit. He just wants to be uh, in a better position than he was. He comes across upon certain situations that you may want to help those people, but he does not seek actively to help other people. So you couldn't exactly say that he's a hero, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Okay. No, but I, I, I would agree with you then. Farsight definitely has a hero complex. You know what I mean? I mean, he does not necessarily... There's that saying with some people have uh, greatness thrust upon them. Sure. And then some people seek out greatness. He's like, he has greatness thrust upon him. Like, he does not actively seek greatness. And for me, Farsight actively seeks greatness. Yes, I would. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, I guess. Okay, that's an interesting place to start. Um, let me do just a small preamble by saying that Farsight is an incredibly divisive character. He is one of the only Tau characters that actually has books dedicated to him. He's got a lot of short stories. There have been two major authors who have tackled his character and both come at very different angles. On the one hand, you have the kind of, let's call it the noble bright version of Farsight, which has surfaced in the more recent Phil Kelly books. I don't find those books to be particularly helpful to people wanting to have a full-bodied experience with the Tau because it runs counter to a lot of the plot and canonical references that have existed for the past two decades. It goes very much in its own direction, but that's, you know, a, a lot of people do like it and I don't want to knock it. And then you have some of the short stories, as well as the original Arkunasha book, which paint Farsight as more, I guess, as more of what Biotic is saying, which is Farsight is this... Unwilling is hero. This, yeah, he's, he has to do everything himself. He has to be at the forefront of the battle. He's got to be in the thick of it with his people. But for me, when we did the research for the first two episodes that dedicated to Farsight, because I'm sure there's going to be a third, I really don't like Farsight as a commander. I think he's a terrible leader in that he is regularly losing enormous percentages of the people under his command. I'm not saying he does this carelessly, but I am saying that he's not the guy that you want in overall command because he loses people with such frequency. I'll kick off this debate style episode that we have going here. I had my own mind changed by the research because I actually think that Farsight fits perfectly into the, as long as you're not taking the Empire of Lies Farsight duology that's out right now, if you don't take that into consideration because there's a lot of issues there, but if you take into consideration the codexes, Farsight is the Tau that ultimately fits in Warhammer 40,000. He is driven by a sense of independence and individuality that harms his own people. It's not like he's particularly beholden to the enclaves. There'll be two different moments that Farsight abandons the enclaves because he's pursuing his own agenda. Uh, yeah, his own agenda, or even even trying to figure out stuff himself. He's also incredibly long-lived, which is unusual for a Tau. And as a result, that could be intensifying his sense of of isolation and independence and that's then oh sorry no, no no i was saying that's because of the freaking blade that, i mean that... farsight's pretty i'll say farsight's pretty old even by the time he gets the sword he's yeah he he's like 40 when he gets the dawn blade i honestly think he might be closer to in his 60s believe it or not if you look at the uh, now we don't know because the tau regularly use cryogenics so we don't know how, you know where that sits but He's still, I mean, yeah, 40 is still old. And then and then he gets a sword that basically turns him into a soul vampire. But just to conclude, by the end of what we know about Farsight, 
he is dabbling with more ancient intelligences inside of the galaxy, particularly a renegade space marine, which we have no idea what his relationship is with this guy. He's called the, like, the Cavallari. I very much think it's a fallen Dark Angel space marine, but but that might be it's just because it's too easy to to peg mysterious space marines as fallen. But he's dabbling with with that. He's trying to understand the nature of chaos. Ultimately, he's also trying to kind of prove to everybody how awesome he is, which I think lines up actually pretty closely with Biotic and the notion that he's Batman, because definitely certain versions of Batman is trying to show off to, you know, all of these superhumans that he's, that he's, he's also, he, you know, he deserves to be there. So a, a very interesting character and we can kick off the, the conversation now. So, uh, yeah, so I guess, why don't we start off with, I've kind of said what my piece about what I think Farsight is. I think he's a terrible commander and I think that he has a deep personality problem in which he puts himself above everybody else and that just doesn't fit with his, his species. Um, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my thoughts on him. Who, who wants to go next? How about, how about boss man? Why don't, why don't you go next? All right. You, you just knew that I, uh, that I would want to go next. I, I respect that first of all. Uh, and I think, I think we, we talk a lot about how Farsight is really not as great a commander, which I think very much depends on what we think of as a good commander in the 40k universe because what the 40k universe des- defines as a good commander and what we would cons- we the audience would consider a good commander are very different things to to put it simply farsight is hyper aggressive but he, it's not like he's not that way f- it's not like he is that way for a reason he's he he's hyper aggressive because he realizes in the the very illogical way warfare is fought in 40k, if you just run up and shotgun a guy, you can probably get away with it. Like, warfare in 40k is like a fucking cod lobby. It's inherently illogical in a lot of ways. There's a lot of glory seeking. There's a lot of there's a lot of tactics that are just awful in a lot of ways. Uh, referred to like the massed infantry charges that a lot of factions will especially the imperium will try but and i think how do i want to put this i think he's i think if we were to like teleport him to earth and like put him in charge of a division or whatever yeah he would get all of his men killed and it would take like two hours but the fundamental fact is he is in the 40k universe and he's enough of a crazy bastard to survive that but i don't think that that's a that's not a very glowing that's that's not a glowing endorsement right um absolutely not the dude is fucking nuts let's let's not you know i have an interjection to make here the thing is this as bossman said if you consider him a illogical commander but then again as you said the 40k universe is batshit crazy and let me just point out this you have the last gun right which by all standards if you put it here in modern times in our century so to say in our universe right would be the most obliterative weapon you can have on an infantry right Mm-hmm. I mean, think of it this way: if you put a if you put a las gun in the hands of a capable marine right now, or any infantryman in any army of the world right now, or you gear up one army with this, it would probably be a peace walk for them to just like kill everything on sight, right? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, and and that's like in terms of forty k, that's the weakest weapon, right? But here, if I were to, so, okay, so I'm I'm just gonna say that Bossman, in some respect, is very right about this, because we tend to think of it like, okay, an infantryman, because we know modern warfare and we probably heard or we played stuff on PC or like watch documentaries and stuff, and for us, protective gear isn't that efficient compared to like protective gear in Warhammer 40k. So of course there's a lot of glory seeking because you can actually do it as a space marine, for example. 
you can take a lot of hits right yeah. i mean you can go off glory seeking and the majority like the army tactics are usually devised how should i put this as um, a consequence of your respective gear okay if you apply even that level of that notion, I like this idea that glory seeking is somehow indicative of defensive war gear uh, that you're bringing up biotic. Of course. Uh, right. Which, you know, if you gave seal team six power armor, like why bother with sneaking around anywhere? You could just, yeah. you just kick, kick the buildings down. Yeah. I, I get that. And, and just, um, you just run through the wall and take everybody by the neck. You wouldn't even need the fucking weapon by it by that point i don't know why i started thinking of wonder woman just now during the bank robbery scene but yeah i got i got you i got you but i guess what what doesn't work and i don't know if this is an excuse boss man biotic uh for why farsight is the way he is i do think i think that in the novel fire warrior by spurrier there is this notion of battlesuit psychosis that gets brought up by Chassel Lucia, who's in command during the Gravelax incident, when a, a group of space marines kidnaps an ethereal for a imperial governor. The result of being a pilot inside of an XV, perhaps all XV suits, but, but particularly the crisis suit, is that you begin to have more of a relationship with your body as a giant suit of walking armor that can fly and blow up tanks with, you know, off, off the cuff. You, you, you start to think of yourself as the crisis suit rather than as the pilot inside of it. And that's, and that's because of the neural link that, that's created between the pilots. And Elusha even brings up the fact that fire warriors in retirement begin to, or who are in traction and recovery, uh, have to be monitored because sometimes they'll jump off of buildings because they think that they can still fly. And this is this really fascinating aspect of where, you know, where technology... Oh, sorry. No, no, please continue. I just wanted to add something when you... I thought we finished, but I, I wanted to add something on your idea because it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Okay. But, but ultimately, that's why, that's why the crisis suit is, is called the mantle of heroes. It's... It's, a, it's an extremely powerful piece of technology that, the, that, that, quite frankly, not everybody should have. I don't, th I don't think everybody get The natural conclusion of uh, a Fire Warrior's training is to hopefully one day be able to wear or, or to pilot one of these suits. That doesn't mean that he or she has the fortitude to use it. And I don't think that Farsight has the fortitude to pilot one of these things because of the way he acts. Uh, go ahead, Biotic. Um. Yeah. This the this kind of syndromes actually do exist. I had the I have a friend who was in the army, and every grunt that passes fire training, his first fire training, and knows CQC combat at the beginner level and stuff like that, he was telling me that everybody thinks that they're in a ramble at the end because they know how to reload, they know how to shoot a target, and they're proficient at CQC. But you know, combat is not generally like that it's a lot of chaos and they think that but when you get into your first like actual combat the chaos of combat actually ensues and and this is also i think this thing is within it, it was a bit transposed from humans we have a different i have a tendency to echo this kind of stuff because if you look at it like a lot of people who become very relaxed and very complacent in their like jobs tend to do this as well. I am invincible. I have done this a thousand million times. I am the greatest at this. And then an accident happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you start like, I have a friend whose dad is a woods craftsman, whatever. And mm -hmm. he was doing this job for like 20 years. And he had a problem. He basically lost two fingers and half of his palm because of an accident. Because he wasn't like, I have used this tool for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, look, it's, it's... You know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at with this? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I, I, it's I, definitely, it's yeah. still... It's, sorry? No, 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 I know what you're saying, yeah. 
it's still it's still a form of psychosis right you get very comfortable you get very you you are the master you are the god for the the tools you use you are the tool you know it you use it every day but you have to respect it as well sure and, but I'm, i don't want to detract the way that i do think that all of these points make for a better character in the 40k universe i think everything that we're saying is actually making farsight much more interesting but at the same time i also think what it's doing is it really is detracting away from those people and i would i would openly ask right now do, does anybody think that farsight is the farsight from empire of lies where he's this noble bright commander that's trying to that has some kind of noble goal that he's reaching for um is anybody in that camp I think that he's, uh, I don't want to say that he is inherently heroic. I, I'm not going to make moral judgments about him as a character because we don't, we can't really say anything for certain about him. But what I will say is that he wants to do the right thing for not just his people, but the galaxy as a whole. Like he's, he he's not fundamentally crazy. That's, and I think in 40k... Saying that a person is not completely batshit nuts is about as high praise as you can get. <laughs> for me, for me, Farsight is more like ends justify the means kind of guy. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm I'm not as Bossman said. He's not batshit crazy, but he has the mental fortitude to actually gamble with stuff. He's not always right, but he's willing to gamble. He's not overly mm -hmm. cautious like the the rest of the Tao, you know? Like, he he's like, yeah, let's roll some dice, see what happens. Okay. Black Comet? I don't know. I think Firefly's just a complicated character overall. I don't think he's kind of, like, noble, bright, you know, kind of rebel leader, freedom fighter sort. I just, well, I think he's kind of a bit of a glory seeker in some regards. And he's as heroic as 40k gets. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I would consider him similar to, like, Gilliman in, in heroism. He's, you know, he, he, he ultimately wants to do the right thing. So, I, uh, sorry, just a second. Um, no problem. Two things, really quick. One, uh, and and I just I just had to look it up for a second, but biotic. I think you're a hundred percent. The analogy of your friend's dad who lost uh, his fingers and and part of his hand. I think that that's a really interesting. I just wanted to respond by saying that uh, Farsight still still pilots a two hundred year old crisis battlesuit. It's an older model. It doesn't look like anything else that anybody is piloting. And I'll get to and I'll get back to that in just a second because you also mentioned. The the other Tau commanders and the and the rest of the Tau firecast is more cautious than Farsight, and I have to say that Shadow Sun, first of all, Shadow Sun is an immensely more accomplished commander than Farsight, and I used to think that maybe Farsight's got you know a better track record in terms of let's call it direct combat command, but then I also am reminded that Shadow Sun defeated a high fleet without losing a single ship and she is responsible for being in an directly combative against two space marine heroes kasaro khan and well i guess three if you want to include shrike but then also the former chapter master of the raven's guard and she actually killed the raven's guard by leaving her her battle suit and going into a ghost keel and pulling a fast one on him I think that Shadow Sun is is incredibly more intrepid. I think she's way more risk oriented, but ultimately she's also a superb and unparalleled commander. I don't think that Farsight is is better than her on on any level. And then to Bossman, and then to just respond back to what you were saying about him being wanting what's best for the galaxy. In Farsight's own words, and I'll and I'll quote: "This is uh, seven sixty five Millennium forty one." So this is this is just around the time that he would have been setting out to go reclaim those worlds lost. 
in the Damocles Crusade, each must find their own way. If those in our heartland had witnessed the savageries of the void as, we sh as they should know this, the hands of each of the great starfarers is turned against the other. None will join their strength together just to see their ancient enemies prosper. Neither should we. So for me, that directly says the greater good is not for everybody. And we've got to start taking people, to, we, got, we got to start taking names off the list. As well as stating that the Tao that were not on the frontier like he was, they don't understand the way that the universe works. Let's, let's call it the 40K universe works, and that he does. So I think that, I don't know very much about Gilliman, but I, I would say that, again, Farsight is way more selfish, or at least more, has more hubris than I think anybody else that I can think of in recent Tal lore. Uh, but what do you think? I mean, obviously, yes, there is that sense that Farsight is being very aggressive when he says, yeah, some people just aren't going to accept the greater good, eat pulse blasters. But this is also the person who has spent most of his life fighting orcs. Sure. Like, he's obviously when from the Tao's perspective, he's being flawed. But from a meta narrative perspective, a lot of fans will think he's right because they see the orcs the tyranids the necrons and say yeah there is literally zero chance of them joining the greater good and thus they don't necessarily hold farsight accountable for that you forgot dark eldar oh my god yes dark eldar is but, but, at the, um, but, but remember 40k is is a place of let's just say it's at least it used to be because now things are changing it's a place of stagnation, right? If, the, if humanity and the Imperium would just stop being so xenophobic and purge, kill, maim, burn, they could ally with the, okay, let's just say the Necrons or the Eldar, or heck, even, even call a ceasefire with the Chaos Legions that, that rebelled 10,000 years ago and fight the Tyranids, blow up the Tyranids, and then go back to, to normal. Like, that, that is entirely within the scope of, of rational thinking. You're but, forgetting... Uh, but 40K is not a rational place. That's exactly. the thing. But, 40K it, is not a rational place. Right. So, so, so if anything, though, the Tau... And, and by the way, the, the Tyranids, Orcs, and Space Marines have all three been declared incompatible with the greater good as of the Third Sphere. But for the Tau to believe that there is still the possibility of hope and of unification. That's, of all the great powers of the galaxy, that's a stagnation unto itself, right? Like, for them to not realize that you're never going to get the Dark Eldar, or even the Eldar, on board with some great kind of communality of partnership, that's audacity and ridiculousness, as much as the Imperium refusing to lay aside its prejudices and ally with its older enemies in the face of guaranteed destruction. You know, Calmsword, for me, as you said, for me, 40k is the biggest dick measuring contest okay. in lore, in like in the universe. It's okay. it's very simple, and as Bossman exactly said, and as Bossman said, and Redrick said, they they just want to kill shit. They're not necessarily out there to like, oh no, you know, we're in a bad state, let's fix it. No, the they old, just want to the kill shit. Is, the, the old joke when it comes to Black Library is, yeah, our, uh, you see, logistics and supply lines and, and tactics may be important, but sorry, bitches, our big fighty man outfought your big fighty man. That's exactly. Exactly. It's like it's like you know some of those like old scenes in like uh, Chinese kung fu movies when two gangs meet and like this is our leader and this is our leader. Let them duke it out. You know, this is exactly the same mentality, minus the bad dubs. <laughs> but it's the same mentality if you look at it, right? Yeah, no, obviously the greatest examples are, yes, even though we have artillery, our our guy with a sword is going to fight your guy with a sword, and whoever wins, wins. Exactly. 
but again, the whole reason why, in my opinion, the Tau were created was to be a foil or or to be the opposite of that. For example, fire warriors practice close combat and martial arts. That's a canonical fact. They have combat blades. That's a fact. They have the ability to fight in close quarters as much as any soldier in in the real world knows how to fight in close quarters because you have to, right? You have to be able to have these skills, but not with the idea that we're, we're ever going to send the Marines to bayonet charge machine gun turrets anymore. We don't, we don't do that. That, that. That's why I have artillery and air support for. Exactly. Exactly. Because, <laughs> but because that changed, right? Because technology outpaced the, my guy runs over with a sword and wax your guy. That doesn't mean we lost the importance of martial arts. Neither did the Tau. However, in a galaxy where a guy hopped up on his own faith is charging you with a chainsaw. Sword. Well, I mean, if if you look at an eviscerator, it's less of a sword, more than just a, a giant chainsaw. You're not supposed to be able to understand the logic behind a guy doing that. And that's, in terms of the scope and the, let's call it like the power levels of the 40K universe, yeah, the Tau is a modern military in every sense of the word, but does not respond to, it's, it says it in the first codex, they don't do last stands. Last stands are the sign of a bad military commander. That's also, yep. that's the same case in a modern military. But if you look at the Space Marine Codex, I think one of the most iconic images is the last stand of the Crimson Fists who are just being massacred because they they decided that they were not going to we're not going to give up this hill, you know. Um, However, it's a stupid fucking hill. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's I really like this value. hill. Well, they really like that hill, man. <laughs> like they decided this was a good hill to die on. Exactly, Whereas it's a good picnic cow... spot. This, this, Almost we're not always don't do that. We're not gonna lose this hill to a bunch of Xenos. Exactly, you know, it's my favorite picnic spot. Where am I gonna go picnicking next? While on this planet. The fact that Xenos, we're not gonna lose this hill. No, uh, you're right, Comsor. There are, they are, and I think they're meant to be played. Unfortunately, the co- the codex didn't do like them a good service. But I think, like, if you look at all their suits and stuff like that, they're meant to be played like a modern military, right? Like right. hit and run. It's very juxtaposed to some sort of like space marines or stuff like that, you know. Yeah, However, sure. yeah, the problem in in this kind of universe is like when you're when you're the. It's like you're you're a logical man, and then somebody comes up and says like, "Hey, you know, uh, I've got these war powers, and uh, I'm just gonna summon this giant tentacle and kill you." <laughs> Sure. No, and and look, uh, the way that the warp works, by the way, is is very similar to the love. You get what I'm saying. You, yeah. I mean, demons are largely immune to, at least lore-wise, but demons are can ignore ballistic weapons because a ballistic weapon doesn't have the the emotional energy behind it that a sword does, and you need emotional energy in 40k in order to kill demons. Or at least banish them. You know, you need to... That's why the power of, of ritualized weapons and... Unless you're a psyker. If you're a psyker, obviously, you know, you, you, no holds barred. But if you want to banish a demon or contain a demon, you need you need these rituals because they have, they have the emotional and psychological energy behind it. And that's the only way that you can affect demons. They're, I, otherwise, they're basically immune. And I, I stand by what uh, Redrix and the bossman said that, for example, if if you're in such a position, I mean, Farsight, okay, uh, Shadow Sun may be a, a far superior, like uh, a more, more accomplished commander, but I don't think she's been around that much like um, Farsight had, as well, you know. You mean, just, you mean just, you're just talking about like, like age wise? Yeah, like experience-wise, because she's been in and out of cryo, right? It's like they they thaw her up whenever they need her, and then they put her back on ice. Ice time-wise, Shadow Sun's dead. Pardon me. We're talking about Shadow Sun, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, time-wise, she's, she's dead. Because it's been more than 50 years she's been out of cryo. Even with cryo. Just way Even past. with cryo. No, she's... Yeah, she, there's... Yeah. yeah, but, okay, she, she may have been a more accomplished, but she hasn't seen, like, the scars that probably time and experience gives you are, especially if you're like, uh, okay, the notion of the greater good is all fine and dandy, but when you're faced with such a, like, insane, batshit, crazy galaxy, it, it's hard to remain, like, level-headed and, you know what I mean? I mean, sure. seriously. But, like, but, if you... Would, uh, uh, sorry, no, I don't want to cut you off, sorry. No, 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 the thing is, like, if you drop me right now in a hive world, I would probably go insane, like, fucking five months. That rather bold of you to assume you last months. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Let alone survive months, let's be yeah. real here. Yeah, like, exactly. Your, your first meal is probably going to incorporate uh, corpse starch, you know? I mean, you're going to have to Perfect. get... Yeah, you're going to have to get over cannibalism really fast. <laughs> Perfect. So see what I mean? That's that's exactly what I mean, because we're judging, and like, Tower, like, okay, we're going to build up this nice planet, have a functional ecosystem, you know, sustainability and all that jazz, you know? And then I mean, comes the Imperium. Here's your meal. It's your brother. <laughs> well, you don't know that's your brother, but it is your brother. Okay, so... You know what okay. I mean? I mean, yeah. Yeah. see, for me, for me, farce, in my in my opinion, Farsight couldn't hack it. I don't think Farsight could hack existing in the forty the the forty thousand. And he, and I agree. I think he went kind of insane. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but he went insane. Not not when he went out into the galaxy. To, uh, at the head of a reclamation fleet, I think he went insane during his first command position, which was Arkunasha. I think Arkunasha broke him fundamentally as a commander. And Can you remind me, Arkunasha was the orcs? So, yeah, so yeah. Arkuna Arkunasha yeah. is, uh, first of all, it's likely a Viorla uh, colony world. And it, it was invaded by, uh, by orcs, uh, during a time of relative peace, and so uh, a lot of people in the command structure of the Viorla Sept didn't want, I, I don't think wanted to believe that, that they were suddenly being attacked again by, by an entire WA, WA Dock, so you guys know. Farsight get, is basically put in charge, uh, I, I believe he's a Chassel at the time, yeah, he's a Chassel, and he's placed in charge of, of a garrison force and immediately identifies this as a greater than normal threat. He begins to engage with the orcs, and in his own words in the novel Fire and Ice, he loves fighting the orcs. The orcs are a perfect foil for the way that the Tau, the Tau fight, fight, uh, fight. Sight, oh, on a fundamental level, wants to, wants to just kill everything that is an enemy of the greater good. And the orcs match him perfectly because they never stop coming. Sure, sure. But at the same time, at the, I believe it's the Koloth Gorge, I believe it's the Koloth Gorge Massacre, there's a Gargant coming toward one of, one of the Tau uh, settlements. And the only way to engage against this Gargant is to get inside of its, its shields. And, the, and, and in order to do that, you effectively have to wait until, you, you have to slow walk your way into these fields. And once you do, of course, now the orcs have you exactly where they want you. You're now in charge range, right? And Farsight suffers the, the, probably the, the largest and maybe the first defeat of his career. We never we, we don't know very much about the Arakan War and, and the Vale War that happened while he was a broadside battlesuit pilot or a the bodyguard of a, of a commander. But the Ethereal cast sends on Shi and tells him, we're evacuating this planet. Now, the way that it's written in the Farsight Codex, you think that this is like, how could they? They should have just sent more reinforcements, right? Which is, which is certainly Farsight's opinion. Farsight in that book is upset that Anshi is the only guy that arrives. By the way, for the record, it also doesn't make sense that it's Anshi. That would make Anshi hundreds and hundreds of years old. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, okay, you know, wh whatever. Ethereals uh, just live longer. 
I like the I, I like the idea that the Tao are really into the idea of passing down titles and mantles to another generation. Well, we see that with uh, uh, like, uh, like my my personal headcanon for Brightsword is that they're not cloning him. It's just a new commander every time who is who is taken up the fusion blades, taken up the the mantle of Brightsword. And this is I don't want us to go on a tangent on it, but but I a hundred percent agree with you, Bossman. The only person that says that they are cloning him is in those two Farsight books. Everywhere else, it, it is a mantle that is passed down. In the Forge World books, uh, Shasso Ramir is also, I think, the third, the third Shasso Ramir, or he's the fourth. Yeah. Okay. So exactly, I I do think it's so much more interesting that the Tau pass on mantles and that Farsight is the only one running around that's lived forever. By the way, just a quick heads up. Farsight was between the ages of 54 and 58 when he picked up the Dawnblade. Yeah, uh, so stupid old. So, yeah, for a Tau. Okay, so just to get us back on track, Redrix, I think you were you were saying something? You're, or you, you might have gotten cut off? Oh, no, I was just talking about Remy. So the Kalath Gorge massacre happens. The Let's just say the Ethereals recall Farsight. Now, they could be doing that because he lost so many members of his cadre, or it could be because that was the tactically correct thing to do, which is pull, like, we are losing this planet. We have we have a high population of civilians. We got to get out of here. And Farsight is regulated to a holding action, which is successful. And when they finally pull out of Arkunasha, the the buildup from, I believe it's Vior, I, I, again, I think it's Viorla, the buildup for drawing together a reclamation force is so great that they're able to retake the world in something like two years. And again, so that is the tactically sound thing to do. But but Farsight, again, in his own words, and if you haven't read Fire and Ice, it's an excellent book. You should totally pick it up. He describes that he was denied victory. And that, I think, follows him into the Damocles Gulf Crusade, where he's pitted against fighting against the uh, the Imperials, which is a completely different enemy from the Orcs. He fights against. Is Spain. it though? Is it absolutely a hundred percent? You can. I mean, the way that the way that the conflict ends is a non is is a is a ceasefire. There's. I don't think there's ever been an Orc war that was concluded with a ceasefire. Yeah, but I'm just memeing. Humans are humans are very orcish. I think there are more humans in the forty uh, in forty k than there are orcs, um, which is a weird thing to think about. But I think the re- <laughs> I think the reason why Guela in Tau Sia is that as like low because it means lowest being. I, I don't think it because the Tau don't have uh, they don't regard La Yui Vre L and O. In, in any uh, in any kind of hierarchical manner, the way that we would, uh, it, the comparison being like king, duke, knight, peasant. I think it's I think it's a numerical thing. I think Guela means like most abundant species. Like that's just like human beings are the norm for the galaxy. So anyway, but again, you know, biotic. You're you're saying that Farsight's just seen more shit. Uh, I don't think he has. Uh, Shadow Sun, if we're going with this is the same Shadow Sun, and we have to because until somebody says differently from on high, we, we have to just go with what's in the codex. Uh, Shadow Sun was present during the Damocles Crusade. She is one of the reasons why she's one of the reasons why the Imperials were never able to secure a broader supply base because she just kept hitting it all the time. Then she gets put to sleep, but then she's woken up during the War of Confederation, a war that Farsight is responsible for starting with the War of Dhaka. During the War of Confederation, the Empire is being hit, or excuse me, the Commonwealth is being hit by something like three different Waz, and Shadow Sun uh, defeats them and makes the First and Second Sphere worlds safe. She then is responsible for planning the third sphere expansion, something that's even greater than the reclamation force that Farsight was given. And she t- she does something that I, I'm and look, you guys are all enthusiasts, and I'm sure the people that are le- listening are all enthusiasts. But 
Shadow Sun takes a hive world in in less than a year. She takes a ghrelin. And she, she does takes it, it in a, like a week. It's ridiculous. It's no, like keep in mind, really quick. But and a lot of and this is one of the reasons why a lot of people like aim a lot of hate at the Tau because like, oh, plot, they just did it. But if you actually go back and read the book Kayon, the lead up to a ghrelin is is something close to I'm going to say at least about a century of prep work passed down from multiple different Tau pass, passing on the work to, to later generations. But a ghrelin was infiltrated by sympathizers. The space lanes around it were scouted by Guevesa privateers who sold their, either sold their services to, to the Commonwealth or were actual believers in the greater good. And when Shadow Sun finally attacks, she does it in a way that is modern warfare. Rather than, you know, rather than like, let's just, let's say like the space marines, like space, general space marine tactics, strike cruiser over a planet, drop pod assault, we'll figure out what what's going on on the planet when we get there like that's ridiculous especially for i mean especially for a, a subspecies which is as rare as the space marines they run into a room with a blindfold on and a hammer swinging you know and because of, of the technology their training and their belief they often are successful or excuse me the plot makes them successful shadow sun is working with a let's let's just say a century's worth of recon as well as agents inside of the Imperial Society on Agrellin. And as a result, he takes the planet, yes, in a week, or, or something close to that. And that's even before, I think, the introduction of a lot of the technology that comes to the fore later when, when the Imperials, Imperials launch uh, a second crusade against, uh, against the Third Sphere, which, again, Shadow Sun, in a six-year period, successfully confounds the Zeist campaign, which is a chapter-sized force of Space Marines led by Cato Sicarius, who I'm going to say up until 8th or ninth edition is the most successful Space Marine in the galaxy. Thickest plot armor Whatever. in the entire setting. I, I mean, he is, it's like... He is the bestest boy. Comfort? Um, yeah. Um... I just want to understand, like, use an analogy to see if I understand. We, well, before that, when you mentioned drop, drop pods, I had to resist a steel, a steel rain joke. Sorry. But on about the Sasson thing about the high world, so you're saying essentially before she took over the house, she took the house, she had people go in to pick at the foundations. Exactly. Jeez. It's almost like people should, like, the books have a lot more information than. A summary online. Yeah, exactly. But but see, that's the thing. And I think that Shadow Sun gets really overlooked as a result of the fact that most people, yeah, most people, I mean, you just read Lexicanum or something. Shadow Sun is a consummate and I think the one of the greatest leaders in 40K. She's fought Kasaro Khan as well as, uh, I think she's fought Kayvon Shrike. Uh, before he turned into uh, the Primaris version of himself. Uh, Fought the previous uh, chapter we... master of the Raven Guard. Yeah, well, Killed the yeah, previous what was... chapter master. Let me get yeah, the name and, real and quick. She, she, yeah, she she killed him. Corvin Severax. Killed... Yes, Cor Corvin Severax, okay. Uh, and she killed him with playing his own game of, uh, you know, subterfuge and... and I mean, I, I remember reading about how she she assigns six or seven different fire warriors to wear to wear her armor or duplicates of her armor, and basically just have them has them operate all over the planet because she knows that the space marines every time they get a report that she's somewhere they're going to drop everything that they're doing and go run after run after the decoy trying to hit it with their sword it, it's it's brilliant she's she understands the 40 the, the 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 universe of 40k more than i think as much as a arm you know all of us who are armchair generals of of modern combat you know she understands 40k and she acts appropriately meanwhile farsight literally became what the 40k universe is in that he's a guy that refuses to give up his super you know 
super relic armor that is his favorite and picked up a, a literal sword and now runs around the galaxy whacking people with swords. You know, like he's definitely secondary to Shadow Sun. And I think that he is, I think he's just overall nowhere. He doesn't even scratch the surface of what, of what Shadow Sun has accomplished. Uh, even, even longevity aside. I mean, I would say that uh, you, you probably are right in that Shadow Sun is an incredibly competent military c- commander, especially considering how the the fandom portrays her. How they, because um... like we all know the reputation Shadow Sun has in the community, do we not? Like, yeah, yeah, it's I've seen the, I've seen the photos, yeah. Like it's like her her two personality traits, according to the Warhammer community, are waifu and the thing that isn't canon. You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know what you're talking about. TTS. Yeah, Emperor had TTS. Uh, it they they made it like a questionably canonical relationship between Shadow Sun and the uh the captain of the Custodes. Kitten, right? Yeah. 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 It's fucking weird. Yeah, but I mean, but it's TTS. I mean, what do you expect? Uh, uh, talk to what is it? Somebody to talk to text, or what is it? Text, text, text to, to speech. Text to speech. I, do, I don't. The, I don't do it, but yeah. If the emperor had a text to speech device, it it is very much defined the modern 40k fandom. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's how this works, right? Like, the more people that have a problem with it, then that make that riles them up, so that they they lean into it more. So, probably after after this episode, we'll probably get an entire episode dedicated to Shadow Sun's relationship with a custodian. I, I it's I, it's oh exhausting. boy, I just saw the picture. I on, think we should get. The, I think we should give Shadow Sun a full episode. That's um. You know what? Next episode can be a full episode. But look, I think that. Uh, is the is the is the Shadow Sun versus Death Guard thing still canon, or did they uh did they get rid of that? We don't we don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. We, that, we that's don't. that's the one that's still in limbo. For me, for me, um, for me personally, Farsight is a thing that's like nice to have, but he's definitely unhinged as all hell. Yeah. And. It's a character that exactly what you said, Comsword, is fits the bill of a grim dark Tau better than Shadow Sun, for example. I mean, he is exactly what the Tau need to make them grim dark, as as opposed to like the Ethereals and and yeah. and Shadow Sun. Yeah, I I a hundred percent hope, wish, pray, sacrifice small animals. That that the Tau will be able to become grimdark through the lens of Farsight, which is a more you know. I mean, if you look if you look at his codex, there's a planet that he's that he's dedicated to to fire warriors that have martyred themselves in the name of the greater good. Like that sounds like the Imperium right there, which has entire shrine worlds, right? Mm-hmm. It he's he is a 40k character that happens to be Tau, and I think that that is the window to making them grimdark, as opposed to going noble bright, where for some reason, you know, the ethereals being in charge is a bad thing, which nobody has yet made a very good argument for, in my for, opinion. For me, Farsight is a is a space marine chapter master that, how unfortunately, was born a Tau. Exactly, I 100% agree with that. I don't want to uh, cut off this conversation. You, you guys can keep going. I have to, unfortunately, I, did, I just looked at the time and I have to do some stuff today. Um, but if you want, please continue. Redrick's still recording. Um, if you guys uh, still want to talk, uh, please do. Uh, I, think we, I think I've made my own uh, opinion uh, known, but uh, at the same time, Bossman, I also kind of want you to do a deep dive on why you think that he is... Like an ideal hero, I'm I'm still interested in hearing yeah, that. I, d- I don't necessarily think he is he is ideal, because like who in 40k is? 
40k is as a, <laughs> 40k is grimdark and grimdark fundamentally cannot coexist with a hero either the hero defeats the universe or the universe defeats the hero and farsight is in this very strange position where gw was trying to make him a hero but they don't really understand that that he he can't either he wins or the universe does and the universe can't beat him because he's farsight he's a named character and they can't and like he's got plot armor now and obviously i'm completely abandoning any sort of like watsonian perspective and moving to doylist but gw has written themselves into a corner with farsight there's there's very little they can do at this stage because they can either start to contradict themselves in their own books which you know wouldn't be i've never done that first time but they they would have to seriously contradict the the farsight duology or they'd have to continue with him being this like noble unstoppable hero and he ends up um he ends up beating everybody he ends up winning the galaxy becomes the the far the the, the martial republic of damocles becomes the entire galaxy and going going back to my Batman reference, uh, I don't know if it's, it was in Batman, the newer Batman's one, two, or three, but at one point Batman says, "Cause I'm not the hero that you wanted, but I'm the hero you deserve." You know, and it kind of sounds like Farsight again. That quote was the other way around. It's not the. Hero they deserve, but the one they need right now. I honestly exactly, exactly. It's like it's kind of still far side, right? Sort of. And I mean, yeah, about what Com sort of said earlier. Yeah, okay. He he's not such an accomplished uh, commander like uh, Shadow Sun, but still, I mean, the guy has less resources to work with, like. A lot more or less resources. Well, Farsight is not exactly... I would say that Farsight and Shadow Sun are still fairly similar commanders in terms of skill. I, w- I would agree with Calm Sword in that Shadow Sun is, is probably the more competent commander. But that's not to disparage Farsight. Farsight has fucked up basically everybody all the time. And with less resources. Because you have an enclave that's like ten, well, twenty-five percent of what the uh, the Tau Empire is, right? Uh, something like that. In in like third edition, there were there were actual legitimate game rules where if you were wanted to play Farsight enclaves, you couldn't bring specific units to. Uh, uh, I think to that was when they did the, the supplement. The limited resources that the that the enclaves had. Exactly. So I think he's doing a pretty good job. I mean, considering the the amount of resources he has to work with, I mean, he's doing a pretty freaking good job. I mean, it's really easy too when you have a giant soul-sucking sword. Mm, not necessarily, dude. He's just one guy with the soul-sucking sword. I'm referring here to like actual manpower, industry, production, infrastructure, stuff like that. If you have the might of a whole empire that like seventy percent bigger than the one you're working with, yeah, okay, you can afford more battles, more losses, more everything. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying this is an excuse to farsight or anything. I'm just saying, like, this matters, whether we want it or not. And you can still come out on top, like... Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, as a, legi- as a legi- legitimate fact, the more resources you have in your back, the more stuff you can deploy, the more stuff you can maintain, the more stuff you can send out to engagements. Yeah, that, that happened not, a lot with the earlier Tau, just because they weren't able to get so far out. That's why their spheres took, took thousands of years. They just exactly. didn't have as many resources as everyone else did. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying, because, like, Farsight has even less to work with. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's a good commander, his tactics, unfortunately, kill a lot of his own soldiers, because of how he works. And that, because of how little resources he has, it doesn't make 
sense that he should be operating like that. And that's why it's kind of like, mm -hmm. this is not a good... I do agree. You're completely correct. But he is batshit crazy. I mean, so... apparently he's also like... I'll need to bring that up to Calmsword later, but in those simulations, the Battle Dome ones, apparently you they do die in them. Um, so I wonder if he's been traumatized by that, because he's in apparently during the Iraq and war he was put into a simulation for a trial by fire, didn't know it, and then sacrificed himself yeah, to save his commander. Which that's kinda really fucked up. <laughs> really a boss man. I'll, I'll bit I'll bitch to Calmsword about Force 8 later. <laughs> See you later then. No, I'm just saying that for me as a, like, I'm not saying, I'm just, I played a lot of games. I especially like, um, um, how they, um, I especially love uh, 4X games. Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, the Farsight plays exactly like Hisho from Endless Space 2. And if you know the, the game or the faction. Uh, I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't know the faction. The thing is this, like, you either build wide or tall in that game. Like, for example, a lot of a lot of factions would expand with a lot of colony worlds, a lot of space, blah, 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 yada, yada. But he shall play, um, he shall play tall. You have few uh, star systems that you colonize before you get a penalty. And after that, um, you build tall. You build a lot on those planets. You you make them economically as efficient as possible. Yeah, and you do kind of see that with the planet the Earth has to live on in the enclaves. I don't remember exactly. what it's called, but it's apparently they're just always, always improving it. Well, not improving it, but constantly building on it. I don't know exactly what it was called. So, and... Basically, your fleets are all dependent on your martial prowess, and your martial prowess degrades if you retreat from battles, or you can also sacrifice part of your population to gain certain abilities that last for a certain amount of turns. And this is exactly indicative or of how I think Farsight operates. Like, he knows that he's going to enter some battles, win something, lose something, but he's gonna boost morale by saying, hey, we won, and these guys were all, like, martyrs, they sacrificed, like, I think he's actually playing a really smart con game with his people in terms of boosting their morale and making them sacrifice themselves. Mm -hmm. He's kind of manipulating them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's not... He's substituting the effect of the ethereals with his ego yeah because he thinks he can do everything better and everybody in the enclaves seems seems to think the same so he kind of became a cult of personality yeah yeah mm. which is if why you look at this if, if you i don't know if you guys read dune oh the, i haven't the read novels. the books but i've seen the movie but not not okay. all of the books of dune a lot more that happens in the book um Okay, but if you take the first one, it's exactly Farsight. It's exactly how Farsight was. He got thrust into a position, he was already scarred, and then he became a, uh, he became a, uh, it became a cult of personality against, uh, um, about him. Yeah, That's exactly how Polytrades, exactly how Polytrades came to power. It's exactly the same thing. He wasn't necessarily a brilliant commander, but he had a he was extremely charismatic for his people he also you know? got lucky exactly but still it still applies so for me that's why i make the analogy of him being batman because he has this hero complex but at the same time he's also a, a, a moderately good thinker a, 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 a an accomplished tactician he i don't know if he plays the long game or not, or I don't know what his plans are. But Apparently he's he definitely slightly into the future. Why he's called Farsight. Okay. But that's a whole different thing. But for me, it's it's he's a very interesting character. He is. Definitely. I mean he's definitely some somebody I wanna watch and somebody who's like exactly that and I think people adore him because he's extremely charismatic. He's 
sort of like a reflection of a, a human hero in a Tao society. Yeah, and that's probably why a lot of people are drawn. He is very human in that sense. Exactly. Which is why he broke he is... away from the Empire, but... But I don't think shifting all the problems of the Tao on Farsight is okay. A lot of people do that. I'm not saying that that's a good idea. You should, but I'm not sure that's a really prevalent thing. He's a I think people shift all of the problems that Farsight has and say, this isn't a problem, it's a Tao Empire. That's no. For me, it's... Um, um... For me, it's a self, um, self uh, um, sustaining loop. The Empire creates some problems, he tries to solve said problems, but he creates that the Empire tries to solve and so on and so forth. Usually it ends up the Empire solves those problems. Or may, and creates other problems that he tries to solve. You know what I mean? I think it's usually the Empire's cleaning up his messes, like with Arkunasha, I mean... Sure, he did buy them time, but he's also they they pulled him back partly because of how many men were dying under his command. They were mustering their forces, and maybe it's part of that whole using another thing as a lure. But if you're a lure, you should try not to die. And you should know that you're a lure. You know that you're a lure, though. It can kind of affect that. And I don't think they were intentionally using him as a lure. I think they were just like, this guy's buying us time. But if they told him he was buying them time, he would not have been able, they would not have gotten him off the planet for that first evacuation. He would have stayed there till the last stand. 100%. So that's why they, I don't think they could have told him anything there. Because it just would have ended up more, more of his people under his command die. Because he refuses to give up. He's definitely interesting as a character, I yeah. must admit. I mean sure. he's definitely interesting. And he is one of the one of the main reasons I firstly got drawn to Tao and then moved on to to something else. <laughs> the thing is that for me um for me, he is, and he is a good commander, but uh, he's not the commander that I would say is ideal for the Tao. Yeah. Like, I, I uh, Shadow Sun is more of a Tao commander than he ever will be, probably. I just hope and, they figure out hmm? what to do with everyone living forever. Exactly. But they can't always figure out with Farsight, though. Shadow Sun, she'd still be dead by now, right? Farsight? No, um, I think they already figure out Farsight, you know, he has a sword, but Shadow Sun... Shadow Sun should, should be dead. Be dead. Like, 100% she is over, even including her time in Cryo. She is way past the average lifespan of a commander. Or, sorry, of a... Same with Anshi, same with Kais, same with, well, Anva's already dead, so he doesn't count. Um, Longstrike, I think, is dead, because I think his stuff came out in... Well, to be fair with Anshi, he was, he's in the Dark City right now, so they probably pumped him up out. full of... Huh? He's gotten out. He got out. Yeah, he got he out. Got he's, he's been out for a bit. He befriended in the... An archon, and then they got him out. But even with, even before he went into the dark city, he was hundreds of years old. I gotta read that. Is there a story out about that? Yeah, I don't remember what oh. short story. Let me see if I can find it for you. It's a it's a novella. That's not a long one. Okay, yeah, I just read the short story on C and just figured he was still trapped in that city. Huh. Let me find it. Yeah. But, um... I mean... It's the Anchi's short story, I believe. Really? By Brayden I Campbell. Oh, I think I read that. It ended with um him... 
um, realizing that he had to keep fighting to protect a couple of prisoners, and that, or something like that. Well, I'll have to find it. I can send it to you once I do find it. Um, let me double check my Kindle. Okay, I think I have that. Because I bought the Tau Omnibus recently. Yeah. Anchi Hero, the Tau Empire, is on the hunt for the renegade commander Farsight, exploring the artifact world of Arthas Malak, where the traitor last fought for the Empire. Anchi and his party are ambushed by vicious alien Eldar, taken to the nightmare realm of Kamara. His prowess in combat makes him the stars of his captors. Shows, but when the ethereal decides he no longer fight, everything changes. It's it's in that anthology. Yeah, I I have it. It's yeah, it ended with him, you know, resigning to the his fate, you know, of being a gladiator. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, it kind of sucks to be honest. Apparently, he's out. I don't, but, I'll have to find where. He... Yeah. 